Thank you for downloading the Engineering Commons podcast. In this stuffed up, plugged up, head cold version of a show, we cover the episodes from 2015, sharing our favorite backstories and behind the scenes insights. We hope you enjoy this episode and that you have a wonderful and prosperous 2016. The Engineering Commons podcast explores challenges encountered by engineers, regardless of their field or industry. Join mechanical engineer Jeff, civil engineer Adam, and electrical engineers Brian and Carmen as they discuss issues of interest to today's engineering professional. This is episode 99, Review 2015, January 7th, 2016. So, Brian, was 2015 a good year for you? I think it was a pretty decent year. I moved, and uh, it's been pretty busy at work. So, all in all, it's been a pretty decent year. Excellent. And so, it was a, it was a good year, but not your best year? I am uh, pretty sure my best year would probably be when I graduated either high school or from engineering school. Wow. And so when you graduated from engineering school, did you graduate mid-year or did you graduate like uh, after the fall semester, December, something like that? No, uh, no, spring. Oh, okay. So once you graduated, you had the entire, you know, back half of the year to enjoy that feeling of having been done. Yeah, but uh, looking back on it now, I remember I said I would start on the Monday after graduation and everyone in the office looked at me like I was, or sorry, my future boss and the few people that were in the room looked at me like I was an idiot uh-huh. saying, you know, don't you want to take some time off? Yeah. And I always remember my dad's phrase, you're going to work the rest of your life. Uh, take this time. But uh, I kind of blew it on that one and just immediately started work. <laughs> so you did start the Monday after you graduated? Oh, yeah. No time off. Yeah. Well, some, you know, some people go travel for a while and do other things, but, uh, those would be called smart people. (laughs) (laughs) Take note, listener. If your employer gives you the opportunity to backpack through Europe, backpack through Europe. Right. Those, those opportunities don't come along very often thereafter. No, they don't. (laughs) They have not. I should say that. (laughs) What is it? Uh, 11 years in, they have not come very often. Right. Well, you know, a couple of episodes ago, uh, we looked towards the future in an episode called Next 100. We looked at where the podcast might go in our next 100 episodes. Uh, And so as we have wrapped up uh, 2015, as this podcast is released, will be early in 2016. uh, We thought we would take this time to look back at the episodes from the past year, from 2015, and to uh, uh, discuss – sort of the the behind the scenes stories and uh what uh, struck us as the important ideas and concepts from uh, many of those episodes. Uh before we got too deep into that, I wanted to acknowledge a number of our listeners had have contacted us either either email or uh putting comments on on the uh previous episodes. Uh, and I just wanted to make some brief mention to those and first thank those listeners for contact contacting us with uh episode ideas. Joel had uh, some ideas about uh, an episode on engineering ethics, and he suggested Carl Steffen, who indeed uh, was a uh, guest with us in episode 12. Uh, but we have been in contact with Carl and believe we will have him on in the future to once again talk about some issues related to engineering ethics. 
Joel also suggested uh, an episode on patent, trademark, and copyright law as, as it pertains to engineers. And I will point him to our episode 11 that we did with Dave Geevers that talked about patents. But uh, Joel did suggest some people that we might contact. And so we'll look into the possibility of a future episode on uh, patent, trademark, and copyright law. Uh, Peter wrote in suggesting that we might uh, do some book reviews, and uh, we we may find a way to do that. Alex uh, suggested a couple of guests that we might contact, and he provided some contact information. Thank you, Alex. By the way, book reviews? Yeah. Everyone should read Seven Eves. Seven Eves? Uh, the silence indicates that I'm the only person who's even heard of this. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, all engineers should read the book Seven Eves. Uh, it's one word. It's written by Neil Stevenson. Okay. And it's, uh, I'm not doing a spoiler because it's literally the first sentence in the book, I believe is, uh, without warning, uh, the moon explodes something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it is a book about having to get off of the earth a mass exodus with current technology. Mm. And I would consider it probably similar to the Martian, a uh, love poem to engineers. Engineers will love this book. Mm. So prior to any episode on book reviews, I think everyone should read that. Okay. Well, we will add it to the list. <laughs> Adam, I'll forward it to you. Okay. Since you're in state. So uh, continuing on, we had uh, Peter who wrote in and said that we might uh, we, we might have listeners somehow contribute a war story of the week. Ooh, that's a good idea. I'm not sure exactly whether we do that as an audio file or we do it in written form, but uh, if if other listeners have an idea or they want to contribute a war story, maybe we start that uh, war story. I guess it'd be war story of the every other week since this is a biweekly show. Frederick. Uh, commented that that uh, in addition to talking to other engineers, we might have a discussion or or an episode dedicated to great engineering feats, you know, great dams and and uh, buildings and uh, engineering accomplishments. Also, a brilliant idea. Yeah. He also Frederick was quite prolific. He had other uh, topic ideas: negotiating salaries, uh, the importance of reputation. I know nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, autodidacts, people who teach themselves, uh, why cell phones are getting thinner when no one is asking for thinner phones. Apparently, uh, he's, he's not happy with his cell phone provider. Wait, he wants it thinner? I don't, I think he doesn't want it thinner. I think that he's just getting it thinner and he would like something a little more rugged, but I'm just reading, I'm reading into a phrase, one phrase of one sentence. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp. I don't know why they keep getting thinner. I don't care if they get thinner. Until they get to the point that I can fold it in half, then I'm okay with that. No, no, no. <laughs> Why do I keep sacrificing battery life in order to have a thinner phone? I would much rather have a – so I have an iPhone 6 blankety blank. I'm looking at it trying to figure out what it is. And I'm wondering why can't it be as thick as an iPhone 5 or 4 and have a more powerful battery? Actually, the question that's always plagued me is why does Apple spend as much money as they do on designing a beautiful-looking phone that we all immediately turn around and throw inside of a hideous case? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, it's gorgeous, but it's 
totally impractical because as soon as you drop it, it would shatter. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, we keep going to the thinner phone, and then, you know, my case doubles the thickness of my phone. Easily. Oh, I, I'm looking at it right now next to me. It easily doubles the thickness of my phone. Brilliant design. Mm-hmm. All right. So here we have an episode idea. <laughs> why Why do cell phone manufacturers keep uh, keep making their cell phones thinner? Well, this will turn into a rant. Yeah. Now, <laughs> if we can only find somebody who actually has the answer. Yeah, that'd be a chore. We need to find somebody who knows Johnny Ives. Well, that'd be that'd be a good get if someone knows. Yes, please come on our podcast and <laughs> submit to a good grilling. <laughs> uh, let me see. Frederick also suggests that we do an episode about why small teams do certain things bigger. Uh, why small teams do certain things better than big teams? Uh, the number. I think this goes back to the number of cooks in the kitchen. Oh, it, it doesn't. This partly go to the. Uh, has anyone else in the podcast read the? Uh, Oh, who's the who did the synopsis of the uh, Skunk Works? Uh, Kelly? No, it's not Kelly Johnson. Ben Rich. Anyone else read Ben Rich's book? No, we've recommended it, or it's been mentioned on the podcast before. Um, he talks. He talks at length about uh, um, why that is, or why certain teams can. Uh, I'm hoping it's Ben Rich's. It is. It's his. The book is Skunk Works, a personal memoir of my years at Lockheed by Ben Rich, uh, published 1996. At least the paperback edition came out in 1996. Nope, that's, that's, that's exactly it. But he talks, he talks a little bit about, about why they were successful with small, with small teams. Cool. Well, we will put that link in the, in the show notes in case anybody wants to go procure that book. Uh, Frederick also says that, uh, a good episode would be about how technology is being made, how advanced technology is being made available to non-experts. And I think we've kind of danced around that a time or two. There was an episode, uh, DIY where we talked about that a little bit. Or it's just an entire rep- episode on Ruby on Rails or Python. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is my shot at Python users. <laughs> uh, which I actually love. I shouldn't, I. I do like Python. I'm just not, or LabVIEW, I guess is it's all the same thing, but yeah, that would be a great episode. I clearly have a rant saved up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and, and Frederick, uh, for his concluding topic, suggests an episode on brewing beer. How many of us brew beer? Is it just me and, uh, Adam? I have not done it in over a decade, but I have, at at various points, I, I was into it and brewed probably, I don't know, half a dozen, a dozen batches before it just occurred to me that I was spending a lot of time brewing beer and I really preferred the drinking the beer part. And it was just as easy to go to the store and go get it. And uh, Karma doesn't yeah. brew, right? I don't think so. He's, I mean, he's interested. He's talked about going out and helping out with, uh, was it collecting the hops? Yeah, he said something about that. Yeah, so I don't know if he's done it, but he's certainly interested in the beer brewing process. And Adam, are you still a prolific brewer? Um, not currently, although I fully intend to be. It's more of a uh, current brewing space availability issue. Oh, then you should come up and brew. <laughs> well, we can make that happen. 
Yeah, we can definitely make that happen. I have not had much time since my daughter was born, so. Yeah. Or space. Or <laughs> or space in the uh, dishwasher at this point, actually. You know, I, I, as soon as I can uh, find a, a new home to move into, uh, the second priority is uh, setting up the brewery immediately following the workshop in which to uh, work on the brewing equipment that needs to be set up. My existing brewer buddy has started his own brewery and has been very successful. So currently I have nobody who's actively brewing that I know <laughs> or active, actively brewing at my level. Oh, no, okay. I, I, no, I, I completely understand that from my, my short stint as a, as a uh, professional brewer. Um, yes. When, when you start brewing full time, you don't want to brew at home. Yes. You don't want to have anything to do with that. <laughs> Yep. And boy, can those people make you feel like chumps. Yeah. Just because they're so talented? Yes. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it's kind of like talking to somebody. It's like a conversation between somebody who's hacking an Arduino and those who are managing, you know, mass production of uh, their own embedded systems. Right. But you all have, we all have to start someplace. No, no, no. And, and I agree. And, you know, homebrewing was the entry point for this gentleman into, um, commercial brewing but commercial brewing is a very different animal absolutely absolutely yeah there's a there's a lot of issues of distribution and legal certification that sort of stuff that you don't have to worry about when you're just making a batch for yourself well and it's also you know the last time we had a conversation he was uh hooking his natural he was modifying his home natural gas system to supply gas to his blickman rig and, uh, you know, soon after that, he was, I don't know how many, you know, 100 barrel system he's now working on. So it's it's kind of like talking to somebody who's uh, went from soldering their own through whole components to, you know, running a full CNC, uh, not, not full CNC, uh, full pick and place mass manufacturing system. It's right. very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, I guess we'll have to decide if we do an episode on uh, brewing beer at what level we're going to have this discussion, <laughs> whether, whether we'll be talking with someone who's a, uh, a brewmaster and uh, is, is handling uh, hundreds of thousands of gallons a, a, a year or somebody more like ourselves who does a batch or two a year. Yes. We, we buy kits. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Adam, you still buy kits? I actually, I'm not sure I've ever bought a kit. Oh, you steep your own grains? Uh, I all grain. Uh-huh. I did like two extract batches and then set up a mash ton. Man, the brewers who are listening to this are totally geeking out. <laughs> and they also think we're noobs. Yeah. Oh, we are. <laughs> well, it was a matter of at the time I was in college and uh, a sack, you, you, you save a lot of money by buying grain by the sack. And and that's where you can start saving money on beer when you homebrew. Hold on. You were brewing in college? Well, in grad school. Okay. I often think why, why when I was a pre-21 moron, wasn't I brewing my own beer? Why go to all the legal issues of provide, <laughs> of finding alternate sources of alcohol? But uh, that's for another day. Yep. However, for, for legal purposes, we do not encourage anybody under the legal drinking age to consume alcohol. Oh, heck no. 
Uh, do we know from our surveys what portion of our audience is from Europe? Uh, someplace. Uh, if we do, 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 I will find out shortly. Because I think the drinking age is 18 across most of Europe. And for those who did answer our survey uh, approximately a year, year ago, yes, we do use the information. Like right now. Like right, yes, like right this minute. <laughs> um, 36% of respondents were from Europe. There we go. With 51% being from North America. So it's actually a really big chunk of our, of our uh, listeners. We do have some European listeners, without a doubt. Man, so my dreams of uh, backpacking and crashing on uh, the couches of Engineering Common listeners is still possible. It is still possible. Let's make this happen, people. (laughs) (laughs) You're still regretting that you didn't take that time off right before you started work, aren't you? Well, and before I had a child, but yes. Right. (laughs) We can always make this happen. Uh, All things are possible. You just have to dream it, right? Isn't that what they always say? Just dream it and it'll happen. Yes, that's what the, that's what the delusional belief. <laughs> that sounds about uh, right. All right. Well, uh, so let's uh, move on with the, the comments that we've, we received from some of our listeners. Uh, Mike wrote in and said that we should take uh, questions from listeners uh, much in the manner that uh, the Amp Hour did. And uh, I think we talked about in our next 100 episode that we might try to find a way to do that. Or maybe, uh, maybe if listeners just have questions for us that they want us to answer, uh, as part of the podcast or part of an episode, let us know. Uh, typically, uh, we, we do get a number of questions that we respond to just privately uh, via email. So uh, did you guys you enjoy to... their call in show? This last one was a little different, but the first one I thought was pretty good. It's a cool concept. Call in show to a podcast. Yeah. Well, we just need to work out the, uh, the technical details, right? Mm-hmm. Enough time and money. All things can be solved. Absolutely. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of episodes I need to catch up on. Because <laughs> I haven't seen the first call in, or listened to the first call in show. Oh, okay. But. Uh, and then finally, we have uh, a comment from Merrill. He was asking, and, and we got a comment like this about March of last year. Somebody was asking about whether we could add uh, the engineering commons to Stitcher. And so Merrill has asked the same question. And uh, we looked at it at the time. It doesn't really cost anything, but they get they have the right to make advertising revenue off of our podcast uh, in return for you know I guess we get wider distribution. But the other thing is they take a copy of our podcast and put it on their servers. And so if we want to go see what the total number of downloads is, or or you know how our audience is responding to a certain episode, then we we now have two places we have to go check. Libsyn, where we normally serve up all our uh, podcasts, as well as this secondary server that Stitcher uses. It's not a big deal, but it was kind of a hassle for us. But if if we have uh, more than a couple of listeners asking for Stitcher, we don't have a we don't have a philosophical problem with it, other than it's just a little more work for us to do. And I know a lot of other podcasts have uh, uh, signed up with Stitcher, so I don't have a huge problem with it. But if you have an interest, and this is an important thing to you, please let us know. All right. Well, let us take a quick review of the episodes that we did here in uh, 2015. And uh, one of the one of the realities is that that as I I went back and put together this this list for this episode is you just start to forget how many people, interesting people we get to talk to during the course of a year. I mean, it's every two weeks and you know, put out a new podcast, but 
you know, there are a lot of these people that, that we get a chance to talk to and they have very interesting stories. And, and, you know, during the, the hour, hour and a half that we get to talk with them, we, we get to know each other a little bit, but not really uh, very uh, well, very intimately. And so there's, there's, you know, a number of these guests that I really wish I could call up and say, Hey, how's it going? And what happened with the stories? And, and uh, what are you doing this week? And there's just uh, you know, there's just not enough time to, uh, uh, to do that. And I don't want to be interrupting their schedules as well, but uh, it, it is neat to go back. And, and for those of you that uh, might've missed an episode earlier in the year, perhaps some comment we, we have here as we roll through the 2015 episodes, will uh, encourage you to go back and, and take a listen to one of those past episodes. So we started off 2015 with an episode titled Ideas Without Words, and we talked with uh, Bob Schmidt, who had been on initially on an episode about troubleshooting, and this time he came back and we talked about the idea that that uh, there are many ideas that we could share as engineers with one another using photos or illustrations, drawings uh, that had nothing to do with words. And not everybody understands that uh, a drawing or an illustration could be a really powerful tool for coming up with a, a concept. That was a pretty good episode. Yeah. Uh, from what I remember, well, anytime we've talked to Bob, it's always been a really good discussion. And he's got some good, uh, some good things to say, some good opinions to share with us. Mm-hmm. In the next episode, in early February, we talk with Herb Roberts about uh, in an episode titled Vectored Thrust, we talked about his work in the development of a jet engine for the U.S. military's F-22 stealth fighter. Good Lord, this episode made me nervous when we recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and why was that? Well, I think I was the only one in, on our team that had been through ITAR training and was thinking the back, in the back of their mind that we'd end up in a freedom camp somehow. <laughs> Uh, we did not end up in a freedom camp uh, yet, thankfully. <laughs> no, this was a really cool episode. Oh, it's a fascinating article, uh, a fascinating episode. I'm just I, the behind the scenes on that was me basically being very skeptical about how we were going to talk about this subject. Yeah, you you did make sure that I talked with her several times in advance to make sure that he was he was not going to reveal anything that he shouldn't be revealing and that we weren't going to ask anything that we shouldn't be asking. Yes. And I, I think we avoided any potential issues <laughs> on that, but Oh, wow. Yeah. So a, a, anyway, one of the stories that he told him there, if for listeners that may not have uh, heard it or, or, uh, or listened to it previously was he was talking about being in a big room where they, he was doing all his design work, but, but because there were various projects going on, they had to work behind curtains and so he knew other engineers by the shoes they wore. He could see underneath the curtain to see what shoes they were wearing, but he was never able to see their faces except when occasionally they would elsewhere on the on the campus run into each other at the lunch line. Yeah, it sounds wonderfully Orwellian, doesn't it? <laughs> As it should be. I mean, I don't mean to criticize that, but I mean, holy crap. I don't know whether to encourage more guests like that or not. That have worked on things that are, are considered uh, – protected information by governments or yeah or companies uh, you know our little uh non-for-profit uh podcast wouldn't stand up much to a nice cease and desist letter from somebody no we'd probably roll over immediately yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the exact conversation that'll happen uh yep okay yeah we'll take it down <laughs> um 
<laughs> Although Herb did talk a lot about his his career, and he's had an interesting career, just in, in a lot of different things. And um, there's some really good stories in there to listen to if if you didn't catch it the first time around. No, it's fantastic. It's it's really a great episode. All right. So in our next episode in mid February, February, we talk with uh, Catherine uh, Yablakov, who came and and uh, shared with us some ideas about creative diversity. And uh, I guess the main message that she was passing along is that some people are more adaptive and some people are more innovative. And you can have creativity at either ends. You can have creativity in adapting to current systems and current designs, or you can have the out-of-the-box thinker, which we we more typically think of being somebody who's creative. Uh, But her point is that you can be creative at either end, and each of us seems to be sort of born with a natural tendency to be more adaptive or innovative, and we're we're comfortable with that form of creativity uh, throughout throughout our lifetime. That does not mean that we cannot be creative. You know, an adaptive thinker cannot be, uh, produce out of the box innovation, or somebody who's more innovative can't do adaptive creativity. It's just that we tend not to be comfortable working outside of our uh, sort of innate region. So I thought it was an interesting conversation about how we can be creative in different ways and yet still work productively with one another. Hmm. Yeah, so so the other interesting thing I remember about that episode is is Catherine shared with us that she worked on a giant walking machine. Yeah, that was really cool. That that looked like something out of uh, Star Wars, right? Uh, early March, we had Alicia White on to talk about embedded systems in an episode titled Remote Host Toast. Main thing I got out of that was uh, she was saying that an embedded product requires more than an Arduino prototype. I love their uh, podcast. I mean... There's very few technical podcasts out there that I could recommend to everyone. And it's not just the embedded side. I I feel like they have a good, um, if they were a technical organization, I would say they have good process Mm -hmm. and clearly they've both worked in very mature organizations. Um, but I, I don't know. Do either of you listen to their podcasts? I've listened to some of it and, and I, I agree. I, I think that they, you know, even being, I, I play with electronics so I can keep up on some of the electronics, techno computer type stuff, um, and programming, but coming from not a professional in that field, I, I, I see value there. Yeah. They're, I, they talk about the things that they face, but at the same time, it's, it is, um, representative of the the bigger picture and and silly expectations and things like that and um just i think very almost honest maybe the best word i can think of mhm um, it's it's actually i mean from an embedded software point of view it's an aspirational podcast um mm-hmm. i guess i aspire to be as good as they are at what they do right and for our listeners who may not know Alicia and her husband have a podcast called Embedded, uh, which can be found at Embedded.fm. Yeah. Again, we'll put a link for that in the show notes. All right. In mid-March, we had an episode uh, 78 talking about grad school, and we went through the pros and cons of going to grad school. Do we come to a conclusion? Nope. (laughs) As with everything, 
there are good reasons to do it and there are bad reasons to do it. And it depends on what situation you find yourself in, you know, and just reflecting, I think going for a master's degree in many cases is a good idea. Uh, you tend to get a, a salary bump uh, that stays with you throughout your career. Going for a PhD, that's a whole different episode or a whole different uh, issue. Uh, you're spending a lot of time and a lot of money getting this degree. And you're, if you go into academia, your salary is probably not going to be as high as if you go into industry. If you go into industry, you're going to really limit yourself in your job selection. Uh, many companies don't want to hire somebody that have the, the PhD credentials. So I think going to, if you find yourself in a situation and you have the interest and want to go back for your master's, I think that's generally a pretty good idea. Think long and hard before you go back for your PhD. That would be something too, if any of our listeners had any insights on how it is in other countries. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of U.S. focused engineers here. And I know for a fact, a lot of European countries um, or a lot of uh, large companies in, uh, in Europe often have uh, PhD engineers at the helm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd be interested to find out if it's, if it's, more of a requirement to go into corporate leadership to have that level of education and to have gone through that process. That would be great. Yes. We have a contact page on the, on our website, engineeringcommons.com. Absolutely. Educate me. Send it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so in early April, we had episode 79 tools of the trait. We talked about tools that we enjoyed using, whether engineering related or not. The top two I had on my list were a coffee mug warmer, which as I, as we talk, I have in my hand a coffee mug that has been sitting on the coffee mug warmer to make sure it stays appropriately warm during the uh, during the episode. I forget, is it, does it plug into a USB port? It does not. I think roughly you need about 20 to 25 watts to keep a cup of coffee appropriately warm. Jeez. I'm not sure mine gets quite there. It's maybe a little low on that. But Start a small fire on your desk. <laughs> <laughs> There's far better ways to start a fire than with USB. No, I was saying it might be more efficient to burn something on his desk to warm his coffee. Oh well, yeah. Well, I don't know. I yeah, I don't know how efficient the. Uh, you know, I haven't torn this thing apart to see exactly what kind of uh, what they're using for heat generation. I assume it's some sort of like heating rod, like you'd find on you know some electric stoves. It's underneath an uh, aluminum plate, which spreads out the heat. But but I have to tear that apart. But. So I just seem to recall that somewhere I was looking at at various uh, coffee mug warmers and the really good ones that, that kept your coffee good and warm. And I think they said it was 20 or 25 watts. Maybe these are half that or something. I don't know. but Maybe it's a bunch of dancing unicorns designed by a chemical engineer. <laughs> are you, you're not picking on chemical engineers again, are you? We still don't even know that they exist. We haven't had any call in. That's true. To tell yeah, us but, what they do. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to work on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they train unicorns. That sounds right. Uh, that's what I've heard. It's all unicorns. <laughs> we'll never get them to come on the show now. I still think this idea of taunting them until they come on is is a winner. Yeah, It's effective. We, we huh? tried yes. pleading for, what, about two years, three years? Now it's time to, to go to taunting. To mock. We did have a couple of chemical engineers on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not to actually think... explain what chemical engineering is. No, that's right. They, they we we had them on to talk about other things. So, yes, we'll wait for them. Okay, so I think so they're Mike, sworn to not talk about the unicorns. Well, to <laughs> <laughs> that goes along with the special handshake. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Okay. So my, my top two were coffee mug warmer and my HP 48 G 10 year old, 20 year old calculator, which still works. Uh, what were yours, Adam? Um, the computer at my desk and Excel, which is what I use 99% of the time for the majority of my work. Wow. And, and I can't remember where you, have you ever programmed in visual basic and, and done the behind the scenes, this behind the spreadsheet type stuff, or are you just using the spreadsheets? Um, not in Excel, but I have done it for access. Okay. In the past. Um, and I also do Python, but Python. Um, I was about to say Python is waiting for you, Adam. I use Python a lot. Um, I do a certain amount of GIS and, uh, it's well, the biggest GIS tool, um, something called, um, Esri is the company. It's uh, ArcGIS. It, it's built to run into Python and work with Python. So I'm sorry. When you said GIS, the only thing that comes to mind is, uh, like Google, uh, image Google search, search. search. Yeah. Uh, geographic information system. Okay. So, uh, it's about taking maps and the data behind maps and analyzing spatial relationships between data. Ah, uh, that does actually sound pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure how applicable it is outside of, uh, civil engineering. Well, I know it's applicable in other fields, but yeah, it's, um, uh, it's some pretty cool stuff, um, which I know just enough to get into a lot of trouble about. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and what about you, Brian? What, uh, what tools did you like? You know, I'm looking back on this. I, did I really just say Ultium and Load Temp Solder Paste? No, you had like 17 different items that you liked. I just listed the first two that were on the list. Well, they're all they're both useful. Useful. Uh, Load Temp Solder Paste derived from Jesus at Bismuth. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that that stuff is amazing. And uh, stealing from Carmen's list, the Hatter Rework Station. Oh wow. Um. I'd have to pull up that episode. You get a lot of good stuff listed here. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Python's on your list. Python was on my list. Python is awesome. Osh Park. Yeah, another good one. I use it weekly. Oh, they were just talking on the amp hour about my 30-gauge wire. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. I haven't used my FLIR camera as much as I'd want to. Sadly, I've been using my iPhone for a lot of scope shots. I'd say Osh Park and uh, a really sharp pair of tweezers are probably the most important (laughs) things on my list. All right. And red pens and highlighters were on my list. Um, Oh, I forgot about that. Perhaps slightly more than my computer. If not, it's pretty pretty close. A lot of red ink. Right. Right. Well, listeners can go back and, and uh, listen to our entire tale of tools, what each of us liked. I will also say uh, on my list, OneNote. I've been using OneNote more and more and more. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic piece of software. And what does it do that other software doesn't do for you? Oh, man. Um, everything from little stupid things. Like I, I find myself all the time taking screenshots of things. And, mm-hmm. you know, settings in Altium, rules in Altium, and all, all, you know, previously I would have done a control print screen and drop it into paint and then, you know, but that's now basically a single button where you 
I'm clicking at it right now where you can do, you know, there's a single button in send to OneNote where you can click to do a screenshot mm-hmm. and then do a dotted line over the part of the screen you want to cut and you can drop it to a quick note document. Okay. It's fantastic. Um, but it's also combining, like, I don't know if any of you ever used Word to combine different disparate types of information, you know, tabular information, pictures, mm-hmm. uh, you know, text-based information. OneNote, I think, does that in a way that Word never did. And, you know, simple things like auto-saving, you know, I don't, is there even a save button in OneNote? Or as soon as you modify no. it, I think it saves. Yeah, it's auto save. Yeah. So you use it too? I, I've played around with it and have not really converted to it. And so that's why I was asking. And I like the way, I mean, the way it expands files as a way very similar to the way I think. And I'm sure it's very similar to the way a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it comes to setting up various field buses, you know, I'll do it once and I'll totally forget it. Whereas this is, this is a way for me to quickly capture that information, throw it into a quick informal document that I can come back to months later when I have to do it again. Right. I am now a paid shill for Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> or you're at least a shill. I'm a shill. Yeah, I'm not unpaid. <laughs> <laughs> unpaid shill. Unless Microsoft is listening. I don't think they're going to send me any... The damage is already done. I don't think they're going to send me any checks anytime soon. Yeah. Right. Uh, Let me see. In mid-April, we talked with Jonathan Way about spatial reasoning. and uh, That was a great episode. That was a great episode, and he provided us with a chart we all like that said that engineers are very smart. Yes, we can pat each other on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. Yeah. (laughs) Towards the end of April, we had an episode 81, Plastics, with Jim Heilman. It's our first Jim Heilman episode of the year. Uh, yes, it was. We should uh, we should do an uh, – uh, since the last time you were up in the Twin Cities, we uh, we hung out with Jim, right? Yes. We should uh, do an entire episode that way sometime. That would be fun. Oh, in person? Yeah, oh, yes. Okay. Uh, and so the uh, next episode we did in mid-May was – uh, episode 95 with Tim Quinn. We talked about photonics. And uh, to remind people, photonics is a study of how light, whether visible or not, is generated, transmitted, modulated, detected, and amplified. And so uh, it seemed like Tim had some uh, some interesting work that he did helping customers acquire the, the equipment they needed in, in order to do photonics product development and research. Thus, perpetuating the rule of thing I'm most interested in, I will not be available to record. I, I don't get that. Oh, I, I wasn't there for that episode. Oh. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm highly interested in photonics. Yeah, it was a good episode. And, and from what I remember, uh, Tim seemed to have a lot of, of – um, it was almost an episode about engineering research to a degree being involved in a lot of very cutting edge products and, and things really helping uh, push that bleeding edge far forward. Not making this better, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to be a service. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, towards the end of May, we did episode 83 uh, with Patrick Reardon, career planning. And uh, 
are that sort sort of discussion sort of hinged on the realities of an engineering career. Uh, I think Patrick's point was that engineering students get sold. Uh, I don't. I, I hate to put words in his mouth, but it was. It, you know, the idea was that sometimes students are sold a bill of goods that engineering is going to be this glamorous job where you're doing design work every day. And the reality is that uh, many parts of an engineering career involve some pretty routine and tedious tasks, uh, making sure things are, you know, correct and lined up and in agreement. And it's not all, it's not all glamor. Even the fun stuff isn't glamorous. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and, and uh, I think you and uh, I have talked before Brian about the fact that, when you do have these opportunities in an engineering career, you you have a chance to do something that's uh, bleeding edge or innovative or uh, not just career changing, but maybe industry changing. Uh, that's great, but it never comes with, well, just take your time and whenever you want to get to it, it's always, we need it now. We need it yesterday. You're running over budget. You're using too many resources. Uh, it's always a stressful process. And in retrospect, it's it you you we laugh and joke about it, but at the time, it's sort of a pressure packed uh, experience. Is that uh, the tagline of our future episode? Um, I should be having more fun than I am. Well, I I think that was my phrase when we were discussing that. I should really be having more <laughs> fun than I am. <laughs> well, but but that's just the reality of the profession. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to perform, you want to do it well, you want, don't want to let down your colleagues and your coworkers. Uh, you want, you know, you have a sense of professional pride and that weighs on you. Uh, but that's part of the job. I think it's the reality of business more for less than, oh, by the way, yeah, that stuff we said you could have yesterday. No, we're going to cut your budget. Sorry. Make it work anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, and so we, we did mention during that, the, during that episode, the Star Trek method for being a miracle worker. Do you, do you gentlemen happen to remember what that was? Ah, yes. Yes. Um, wasn't it uh, Scotty was talking to LaForge in some sort of, uh, he was like frozen or something like that. And uh, yeah, you, you don't tell the captain how long it's actually going to take. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so LaForge was being honest that something would take an hour and Scotty informed him that you should never tell the captain how long it's really going to take. Mm-hmm. You can you you'll lose your reputation as a miracle worker if you do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, in uh, episode eighty four, in the middle of June, we talked to Air, Aaron Spearin about workflow balance, and uh, we talked about some of the lean manufacturing terms and ideas. And and uh, he shared. I guess my you know my takeaway from that was he told us about the Japanese word for the real place being gimba. And the idea that in lean manufacturing, uh, improvements come not from sitting at your desk and trying to imagine what the problems are, but from going to Gimba, where the work is actually being done and observing and, and seeing where improvements uh, are needed. And wasn't there some talk about how one process has to feed into another process and you can over-optimize a process so that the process either up or downstream now becomes a choke point? Right. Well, that's uh, the theory of constraints by Eli Goldratt. And so the idea is that it, in any kind of stream, you're going to have one choke point. Uh, you're going to have one primary constraint. And so you have to solve, you know, the idea is you should solve that constraint before you worry about any other constraint. Uh, whereas the typical approach in most companies is, well, we have all these problems. We need to, you know, 
spend a little, spend a little effort over there and spend a little effort over here, as opposed to getting everybody focused on where is the constraint and solving it and taking it one constraint as a, at a time. That, the real problem with that is that in theory, we have knowledge of the, where the constraint is, but in real, the real world, there are many uncertainties and it's, you know, you can have long philosophical arguments about which is the constraining process or, or uh, system. Uh, and, and you just, you know, argue in circles. So you end up, people end up get, being sent to each of those processes, trying to solve them all in parallel. So uh, in the end of June, we had an episode talking about uh, unwritten rules of engineering. And well, for for instance, there is no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> That's true. There is no such thing as a, a free lunch. Even when somebody buys you lunch, they're, they're usually looking for a, you know, a bit of information or a little advice consultation. So, yeah, n- another one is you never, should never confuse change with progress. And uh, uh, there's certainly those people that feel like making lots of, of changes is, uh, is a good thing. And sometimes it is good to, to mix things up a little bit, but it doesn't mean that the system or the organization is, is moving forward. Yeah, I like this other one. Uh, nothing is impossible for the person who doesn't have to do the work. Yeah, so stuff always, for some reason, stuff always seems easier when you get to assign the work to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in uh, early July, we had episode 86, Idiot Box, and we talked about some of the TV shows and movies that we were inspired by as engineers. And uh, we did talk a little bit about the engineer that uh, was recently reduced, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the, the Martian uh, that was recently released as a movie. And, uh, I remember we wondered whether Matt Damon had to work calculus problems in preparation for appearing in that show. Did you guys check out any of the ones we talked about? Well, let me see. Silicon Valley or uh, Halt and Catch Fire? Nope. No, although I will say I did go to see The Martian, but that was the first movie I'd seen in like six years. So Was it, was it good? Yeah, I thought it was good. I got another one I can add to the list, one I've just started. It's called uh, Mr. Robot. Yeah, I've heard about that. It's um, it's probably the best infosec movie or movie TV show slash piece of media that I've ever seen. And since hackers, okay. I think hackers and sneakers were both on our list. Um, I think Mister Robot finally hits home what those movies could never have done. Cool. And and so, what's the basic premise? Um, I would say a gray hat hacker is uh, slash white hat is is forced to make decisions about loyalty and uh, his own personal ethics. But it's it's surprisingly technically accurate for uh, uh, a TV show, and it's compelling. Like, there's, there's shows, there's movies that I've seen that are like that that are not compelling in the least. Like, my... My non-technical friends would be bored to death by them. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Mr. Robot, you know, there's a point where the main character believes that he's been compromised. And he starts pulling these sensitive items out of his computer and putting it in the microwave. And I'm literally thinking to myself, I know why he pulled that. I don't know why he pulled that, you know. Uh-huh. So it's it's pretty cool. All right. And and which uh, network has this? Uh, USA. Okay. Well, I have to check that out. I am watching it on 
iTunes right now, though. So okay, and I think it's been listed on a lot of people's best shows of 2015. Right. So is it just the first season available at this point? Uh, is there even going to be a second season? Uh, I, oh, I don't know. I don't even know. Okay. All right. Well, uh, moving along in uh, mid July, we had a uh, episode with Jack Reed about the existential engineer, and we reviewed uh, Samuel C. Foreman's book, The Existential Pleasures of Engineering, and learned that uh, existentialism promotes the viewpoint that truth is found through being and not through reasoning, which sounds like kind of a uh, interesting viewpoint for an engineer since we think that engineering is all about analytical reasoning. So that was a great episode. Yeah, Jack had uh, minored, I think, or had a dual major in engineering and philosophy. Mm-hmm. So he he brought some good information to the show. Mm-hmm. In episode 88, we talked, we did uh, a second episode about Reddit questions, Reddit questions too, and uh, answered a number of questions in which our answers seemed to be, without fail, our answers seemed to be, it depends. You know, that's something in the future too, based on the number of emails we get, we could probably just reduce to a Q&A episode. Oh, depending on how many listener questions we get? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the answer to all those questions is, it depends. And then we'll go yes, babbling the, for 20 minutes about how it depends. But Yeah, but, but engineering is the art of compromise, right? Yep. There, there are always trade-offs. Exactly. All right. Uh, oh, let's see this. I sense, I, sense, I sense that you were getting ready to introduce the next one, so I didn't want to jump on you. See, this enters us into a pretty long stretch of uh, – of uh, the four of us talking about various topics. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one uh, in late August was early lessons, uh, where we talked about some things, the early parts of our career. Yeah, Carmen had uh, mentioned that he learned that, he, I don't know exactly what he expected his career to be, but he discovered his job was largely troubleshooting and experimenting uh, as he sorted out unexpected system behaviors. And uh, I believe you said, Brian, that one of the best ways to learn quickly, you discovered, was chatting with others who have experience dealing with the technical issues you were trying to understand. Oh, yes. Those little BS conversations you think you're having are often full of gold. Mm-hmm. I'm going through our show notes on that, and I'm trying to remember our conversation. Well, that's what I was mentioning at the beginning of the uh, this episode, is that as I went back through these things, there are all, all sorts of good conversations that we had, and... Uh, Sometimes it takes more than one visit, I think, through it. In episode 90, Traffic Engineering, I confronted Adam about why my commute sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I gave him an answer of it depends or because everybody else is bad at driving. Oh, maybe that was that could have been an answer. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Adam, Adam was our guest for the episode Traffic Engineering. And uh, the thing I got out of that, I remember that you mentioned that traffic engineers use technical terms like rubberneckers and looky-loos. Yep, those all sound uh, sound very, very technical. <laughs> <laughs> and even if they're not, they come up plenty. Right. Okay, in uh, see mid-September, we did episode 91 about home automation. And... Uh, we talked a little bit about the fact the early remote controls were mechanical. They had little mechanical strikers that hit a bar and it would create an ultrasonic tone and the TV remote system uh, would pick up on the ultrasonic tone and would change channels accordingly. So not always infrared or RF. 
which was a step up from the earlier system of hitting your kid on the head and telling him to go turn the knob. Right. At least for those without kids to hit on the head. Yes, and in my home automation experiences to date, I still can't figure out why Philips Hue does not allow you to set the default value of its bulbs. Hmm. I do not get that as an engineering decision. Did we talk about that during the episode? I don't think so. Although, I did, weren't they sort of in the midst of a upheaval recently because they tried to sort of close down? They wouldn't allow other systems to access their, their devices, and then they changed that decision back? Oh, I hadn't heard that. Uh, what I've noticed with my uh, my Philips Hue system is you can set the color and the brightness, but if you cycle power to the device, it goes back to the factory default. So why bother setting the color and brightness of the device at all? Right, and we should mention that Philips Hue is a is a sort of what is it you call a programmable programmable light bulb? Yes, it's a multi. Uh, I mean, at least one version of it is a multicolored. Um, LED that has, I'm guessing, Zigbee uh, wireless technology that communicates to a hub. So you can okay. use an app on your phone or the Samsung SmartThings to, you know, set various values for the device, be it color or brightness. Okay. And so you'd think, hey, I've got a room. I want the lights to be green in here. So you set the lights to be green. And as soon as you turn the lights back on, no, cycle it from on to off, it goes back to the factory default. Okay. So I'm looking at an article on CNET from the 14th of December, 2015, and it's headlined, Philips Hue cuts support for third-party bulbs. Citing an increasing number of interoperability issues, Philips is changing its policies and locking out third-party smart bulbs until they can be certified through the quote-unquote Friends with Hue program. And then uh, there's an editor's note from two days later on the 16th saying, admitting that it underestimated the impact this would have on a small number of customers, Philips has announced it will reverse this software update and will continue to allow uncertified third-party Zigbee bulbs to be paired with the Hue Bridge. Well, let's see if this is the same year as the other dumbest idea I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make sure that this was also in 2015. No, that was 2014. Never mind. <laughs> FTDI, you were familiar with FTDI oh, yeah. bricking all of their competition? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about that in the episode, on, uh, an episode a year ago. Yeah, no. So, Phillips, you do not have the dumbest idea that I've ever heard of. Oh, we, so we mentioned on that episode that you had a Amazon Echo and you had – the Philips Hue, you had some home automation, but you had not connected the two. Still have not. <laughs> I have connected my Hue to my Samsung SmartThings, and I really enjoy it. But again, the issue is, why can't I, you know, I, I, I would have suspected when they built the thing that they would have, and, you know, you set the color, and that goes to a EEPROM or some sort of non-volatile storage of some kind. Right. Well, it'll, it'll, it will all get ironed out in time, right? I'm hoping there are some Phillips engineers that are listening to this <laughs> who can then point out, to, point out to me how stupid I am for wanting that as a feature. Yeah. Or who knows, maybe they wanted it as a feature too and were told no. It was too expensive. It cost 10 cents more per bulb or something. Very possible. Nobody's going to want that feature anyway. 
Um, so in early October, really early October, uh, we recorded an episode titled Garage Gear, where we talked about tools we had and, and uh, what our thoughts were about setting up a, a home lab or workshop for whatever you may be doing engineering related on your, your off time. Um, I think all of us kind of got a little bit of a, a jealousy, ooh, I wish I had one of those type uh, reaction to that one. Yeah, we discussed some places or we, or we reviewed some places on the internet that showed some very nicely equipped labs and, and workshops. And uh, certainly my takeaway from that was I need better tools. This <laughs> this bit of having to having a having an electric drill that uh, only goes for ten minutes before I have to go recharge the battery. That's uh, I need to fix that power cords. You never run out of battery. You, yeah, you mentioned you you actually prefer the the electric drill and uh, or electric power tools and and uh, I still do have my drill that has a cord on it just in case. Well, I still can't recommend enough. Get a good impact drill with a uh, or impact driver with a lithium ion battery. Oh, absolutely. Um, probably the most used tool I own. Wait, cordless? I, if I remember correctly, I said cordless is fine, but I would always have something corded as well first. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I go for the cordless all the time, but when you need it, you need it and waiting 20 minutes, a half hour for it to charge is not usually a good option. <laughs> All right. Uh, in mid-October, we had uh, James Lewis on to talk about capacitors, and uh, he shared with us the the various aspects of, of making and manufacturing capacitors. And I mean, electrical engineers know this to be certainly true, but for those of us that are not electrical engineers, uh, James sort of reinforced the idea that not all capacitors are the same. You need to pick the appropriate capacitor for the appropriate application. Which is tantalum all the time. I don't think that's what you said on the episode. I can't remember that episode. <laughs> no, that was a great episode. Yeah. Okay, so people can go and listen to uh, that episode to learn a little more about uh, capacitors. In uh, late October, we had episode 94, which we titled Relevance, and we talked about how an engineer may be seen or not seen as as relevant. Uh we noted that once relevance is largely dependent on others, seeing yourself as relevant is not nearly as important as having others perceive you as relevant. And so we shared some of our ideas about how one stays relevant in a modern engineering organization. Then in mid-November, we did another episode, 95, called Details, in which we talked about the importance of details in the process of engineering design, uh, engineering analysis. Uh, the need for pi is a multiplier. Well, that is an important detail. <laughs> that's an important detail. Now, I noted that the little voiceover at the very beginning in the introduction where I thanked everybody for downloading the podcast, I announced the date of this podcast as being in October, being October 12th instead of November 12th. So in the very episode that was pointing out the importance of details, I got the wrong date. But at the hour I was doing this, it was, I can't remember exactly, but usually I finish these up somewhere between midnight and about two in the morning, and I was too tired to mess with it. I said, eh, it'll work. <laughs> it's all about knowing the right detail or the important details and which ones can slide. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, well, that seems to be the way it goes, right? When you make when you emphasize something, that's when you slip up. In late November, we did episode ninety six titled "Perceptions," and we talked about how non engineers perceived engineers. Was it perceptions or was it stereotypes? No, this episode was. Well, it, it could have been perceptions. Is is that there are some stereotypes about how others perceive engineers? Yes. Oh man, engineers are cheap. Just <laughs> go through the show notes. Yeah, I seem to remember this episode being one we started off on stereotypes, and uh, the topic changed as we talked. It did. I think it was originally it was originally titled stereotypes, and when we got done with the episode, we said, "Well." Really, we ended up being more in the area of how others perceive engineers. Mm-hmm. And we even talked about how, you know, even engineering students misperceive engineering. Uh, we talked about how a healthy number of engineering students graduate with the misconception that engineers work alone and need not follow directions. They're proud of the fact they <laughs> never work with anybody else and don't follow directions. So, uh, And all they do is sit in a cubicle doing math all day. Right. I'm sure there are some engineers that do that, but many engineers uh, do not. I don't think I've met one. (laughs) Right. Um, In mid-December, then, we did uh, episode 97, uh, Next 100, where we talked about ideas for where this podcast might go in the next 100 episodes. And uh, that's recent enough. I don't think we have to delve too deeply in that. In fact, we, we talked about a few ideas at the beginning of this episode. Which brings us to our most recent episode that came out the day before Christmas, episode 98, Relocation. Uh, We had Jim Heilman back on one more time, and we talked about some of the questions that engineers should be asking uh, before they pick up and move uh, to advance their careers. That was a very useful episode. Yeah. Um, In terms of, you know, career planning and, uh, you know, all the factors that go into how you will get from point A to point B, both locationally and career-wise in your life. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the more practical episodes where people can take away some some good thoughts to apply pretty quickly mm-hmm. um, compared to some of our other episodes, which get a little, uh, which are very philosophical. Yeah, there's no, nothing wrong with a little philosophical talk every once in a while, but Oh, absolutely not. We, we don't Isn't want that to. kind of the objective of the podcast. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, but we're not opposed to, to, uh, delivering some practical information from time to time. And one of the, uh, important points that uh, Jim was making, I think, is that one needs to consult with the family before making any relocation plans. Which is definitely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that is, uh, a, uh, review of the episodes that we had in 2015. We have some great guests lined up for our episodes in 2016. I hope all I hope all our listeners will enjoy those episodes. Any closing thoughts as we uh, we wrap up the year? Woohoo, on to 2016. <laughs> you are Mr. Enthusiasm. Oh, you know it. Well, and this is our last episode in the uh, double digits. From here on, we move into the triple digits. That is correct. Uh, this will come out on the 7th of January, 2016. And the following episode will be our 100th episode. So 
we'll uh, we'll have to think about what we can do to make make that a special episode. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, let us uh, wrap this one up. I appreciate your uh, joining in on this review of the past year's material and look forward to having more discussion with you in 2016. Look forward to another great year, Jeff. Yeah. On to one more year and, and hopefully many more after that. All right. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye. The Engineering Commons is produced in affiliation with Big Beacon, a social movement for transforming engineering education, located on the web at bigbeacon.org. For more information about the podcast you've just heard, please visit theengineeringcommons.com. Our theme music is by Paul Stevenson.